Hey everybody, it's Adam, the pastor at Melbourne Heights, and welcome to our sermon podcast. We hope that our time together will challenge you, encourage you, and inspire you to take the next step in your relationship with Christ. Well, our trees are now up. And lights have been deliberately strung through the branches so that every one of them can be encircled with light. Ornaments have been hung from nearly every branch, delicately and deliberately, although it does kind of feel like they're just waiting for an inadvertent bump to send one of the balls rolling across the floor. Inside of your houses, those trees may have presents that are popping up underneath of them with giant bows, oversized bows sitting on top. But it's not just the trees that are getting into the holiday spirit. Look around your house and you'll see that wreaths now hang on front doors that are usually bare during the year. Or look at your dining room table where you now have that Christmas poinsettia sitting where your Thanksgiving cornucopia was this time last week. If your house is anything like my house, it's easy to see that that yuletide cheer is starting to spread beyond your living room, covering every inch and aspect of your home. Or just take away, take a drive around your neighborhood one night, and you're bound to see plenty of your neighbors are getting into the holiday spirit because you'll run into at least a house or two that have enough lights to make Clark Griswold jealous. Or just look around the sanctuary, or pay attention as you're walking through the church on Sunday mornings, and you'll see that evergreens are starting to pop up just about everywhere. And when I see all of these holiday decorations popping up, there's no denying the fact that Christmas is just around the corner. It's 30 days from today, if you're counting down and if you want to be exact. And with all of these Christmas decorations popping up, with Christmas being only a month away, with Christmas so close at hand, It's easy for me to hear the familiar tune of one of my all-time favorite Christmas songs. And you probably know the song, too. You've heard it somewhere along the way because it was made famous over 50 years ago by three tiny chipmunks. That's right, in the song, Alvin, Simon, and Theodore sing, Christmas, Christmas, time is near. Time for toys and time for cheer. We've been good, but we can't last. Hurry, Christmas, hurry fast. Want a plane that loops the loop? Me, I want a hula hoop. We can hardly stand the wait. Please, Christmas, don't be late. Now, I don't know how you feel about this particular squeaky song that the chipmunk sang all of those years ago, but regardless of how you feel about the song, you probably understand what the chipmunks are singing about and the way that they feel about Christmas because we have all had to endure the wait that goes along with this season. I know I have. I mean, I remember when I was a kid, whenever, in the weeks that led up to Christmas every single year, that I would lay down on the floor in the living room with a pencil in one hand and every holiday flyer and sale bill that came in the newspaper or the mailbox all the way around me. And I would spend hours pouring through every single one of them, making sure that I got the perfect gifts on my Christmas list that year. And once I had double-checked everything, making sure I didn't miss a single item, I would take that note over and I would pass it on to my parents and let them send it off to Santa Claus, and then I would have to wait to see if I got the gifts that were on my list that year. 
And you've probably done it too. Now maybe you didn't do it with every sales bill and flyer that came across in your newspaper. Maybe you used to do it with the Sears catalog, where you'd sit down and go through it and tear through the pages to find exactly what you want. Or the truth of the matter is, some of you were probably doing it over the last few days as you were searching through Amazon, putting together your list for Cyber Monday coming up, to, for, uh, coming up tomorrow. But we've all been there. And when you were a kid, you may have wished for a hula hoop like Alvin in the song, or you may have wanted a Betsy Wetsy doll, or you may have wanted a Tickle Me Elmo, or you may want whatever the big item is supposed to be this year. But regardless of what you wrote down on that list, as soon as you handed that list over to your mom and dad so that they could take it to the post office and send it on to jolly old St. Nick, the waiting began. And once the waiting began, in the back of your mind, you started counting down. You counted down the days the weeks, the, the, the minutes for Christmas to come. And along the way, if you were like me, you crept back over to that Christmas tree standing in your living room, and you looked to make sure there were new presents that were popping up underneath the tree. And if there was a day that went by where something new wasn't over underneath the tree, you went to your mom and dad, and you carefully and casually dropped hints about all of the toys that you wanted to find sitting under your tree that year. And by the time that Christmas Eve finally rolled around, you probably sounded a lot like Alvin, Alvin did in the Chipmunk song, begging that Christmas, begging for Christmas, saying, don't be late. You just couldn't stand the torture of waiting any longer. You needed to know if you were going to get what you put on your Christmas list that year. But here's the thing. No matter how torturous it may feel for us, waiting is part of Christmas. Waiting is part of Christmas. At Christmas, we wait for presents, and we wait for parties. At Christmas, we wait to see our family, and we wait to eat some of our favorite foods. Waiting is just part of this time of year. Waiting is part of Christmas. And if there was ever anyone who understood how excruciating the wait for Christmas could be, it was a nine-year-old little boy who grew up on Cleveland Street, in Indiana. His name was Ralphie Parker. And all Ralphie wanted for Christmas was the holy grail of Christmas gifts for any little boy. Ralphie wanted a carbine action, genuine, red rider, 200 shot range model air rifle. Or if all of that's too much for you to keep up with, all Ralphie wanted for Christmas was a BB gun. All he wanted was a BB gun. And he knew, Ralphie knew that if he could just convince his parents or Santa Claus or someone to give him this BB gun, that everything else in his life was going to be all right. He knew that he would be able to protect his family from all of the grizzly bears that he imagined prowling the streets of his small Indiana town. Or he imagined that he would be able to fight off any marauders that came along his way like the evil Black Bart with a gun that he would name Old Blue. But what Ralphie was about to learn throughout this Christmas favorite movie, A Christmas Story, is that getting a BB gun isn't as easy as just asking for it at Christmas. Because every time that he broached the subject of this BB gun, whether he was talking about it with his mother, his father, his teacher, or even Santa Claus himself, or at least the mall version of him, every time he brought it up, he heard these adults utter the most dreaded phrase that any little boy could hear. A phrase that responsible adults have been using for generations to keep kids safe at Christmas. Every time he asked for that BB gun, all the adults in his life said, you'll shoot your eye out. But Ralphie, 
wasn't going to let all these grown-ups and their silliness keep him from getting what he wanted for Christmas. So he pulled out every trick in the book. Ralphie dropped hints any way that he could think of them. He stuffed ads for the Red Ryder BB gun into his mom's favorite magazine. He regaled his father with fabulous tales about what he would do with the gun. He even wrote about it in a Christmas assignment for his teacher. And when he was afraid that all of that wasn't going to work, he went straight to Santa Claus himself showing up in the shopping mall to beg for this Red Ryder BB gun. And he had absolutely no idea of all of his begging, if all of his pleading, if all of the work that he put into getting what he wanted for Christmas was going to pay off until Christmas morning rolled around. Until he was up and out of bed, until every gift was unwrapped, he didn't know if his wait would be worth it. If he would get this Red Ryder BB gun he wanted, or if he'd end up disappointed on Christmas morning. Well, Christmas morning finally did roll around for Ralphie, and I want us to see what happens on that morning for him. So let's roll the clip and see if Ralphie gets what he wants for Christmas. Did you get my Christmas? Yeah, pretty nice. Yeah, did you get everything you wanted? Mm, almost. <laughs> almost, huh? Well, that's, that's, that's life. Well, there's always next Christmas. Yeah. Hey, that's What's that over there behind the desk? Where? Oh, behind the desk, against the wall over there. Let's go check it out. So in this clip, Christmas came to the Parker house, and Ralphie was going to see if he finally got his BB gun. When the scene starts, all of the presents have been unwrapped, but he still doesn't have that red rider sitting underneath the tree. You can hear at the beginning of the clip that disappointment is starting to set in for this poor little boy, and that's when his dad steps in. And his dad points one la- out one last present that was hiding away in the corner of the living room. It was the right size, it was the right shape, but could it be what he had been waiting all this time for? With hopeful anticipation, Ralphie walks over into the corner, he pulls the package out, he starts tearing into it, and he finds on the other side of that wrapping paper the holy grail of toys for little boys. He finds that BB gun. His wait was over, and he had what he wanted, that carbine action, genuine Red Ryder 200-shot range model air rifle. So the wait was worth it for Ralphie. He got exactly what he wanted for Christmas. Now, we can all empathize with, with Ralphie. We can all put ourselves in his shoes because we know what it's like to wait. We know what it's like to wait for Christmas to come. We know what it's like to wait to see if we get exactly what we want underneath the tree. We know what it's like to have to wait at Christmas. And we all know that the wait at Christmas can feel absolutely 
excruciating. But as excruciating as it felt for Ralphie, that was nothing compared to the way that the people in our scripture reading for this morning felt about what they were waiting for. So if you have your Bible with you, go ahead and grab it and turn to Jeremiah chapter 33. Jeremiah chapter 33. And as you're finding it, let me tell you about what's happening with the people of Israel as the story begins to unfold. In this, as, as the story is starting to unfold, the people of Israel find themselves in a place of turmoil. They doubted if they'd even be able to survive as a nation, as a people, and as individuals. Their political alliances that they had made to keep themselves safe had failed. And all of Israel was under attack. The walls of the city had fallen. Jerusalem, their great sanctuary, had been breached. The king and his court had been carried off from their palace. They'd become prisoners of war, exiled hundreds of miles away from their homes. Even their greatest symbol of hope, the temple that Solomon himself had built for the Lord, had been destroyed. It had become a symbol of despair because it had been toppled and looted for the wealth inside. So the people of Israel, they were scared. They had no idea what the future might hold for them. They had no idea if they'd be killed by the Babylonian invaders who had come to conquer. They had no idea if they would be carried off like their leaders had been carried away. They had no idea if they'd be forced away from their family, their friends, and the only homes they had ever known. And if they did remain in Israel, they had no idea what it would be like there. They had no idea who their king would be or if they would have any leaders at all. They had no idea if their city could be rebuilt or if anyone would take the effort to do it. They had no idea if the temple would ever stand again. The people of Israel were waiting for something big in their lives. They were waiting for something far bigger than any present. They were waiting hope. They were waiting for hope. And that was something that they were never going to find underneath a tree. Something they couldn't find in a gift like a BB gun or a hula hoop. They needed a hope that could only come from God. And this is the situation that Jeremiah is writing to. And he is sharing with the people of Israel these words from God in Jeremiah chapter 33 verses 14 through 16. This is what God says to the people of Israel. It says, The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill my gracious promise with the people of Israel and Judah. In those days and at that time, I will raise up a righteous branch from David's line who will do what is just and right in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. And this is what he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. Now to understand this passage of Scripture, I want you to imagine something this morning. I want you to imagine what it would be like if you knew you were going to get exactly what you want for Christmas this year. What would it be like if you knew that that iPad that was on your list or those earrings you've had your eye on would be sitting underneath your Christmas tree? What would it be like? Imagine what it would feel like if you knew that new car was going to be sitting out in your driveway like all the car ads have up on TV this time of year, or that you'd have that hula hoop that Alvin's been wanting for 50 years. Imagine what it would feel like to know exactly, to know that you're going to get exactly what you want for Christmas this year. 
Whatever it is, whatever it is that you imagine, whatever it is that you want, imagine what it would feel like to know that it would be waiting under the tree for you on Christmas Day. Now, sure, that may ruin the surprise and some of the fun of Christmas, but it would also alleviate a whole lot of the anxiety that a lot of us feel this time of year. You'd still have to wait for Christmas to come, but the wait wouldn't be quite so excruciating if you knew what was going to happen on the other side. Now, here's the thing. I I don't know what's going to be sitting underneath your tree this year. Santa hasn't told me that. But I do know that when you can imagine that you're going to get exactly what you want for Christmas this year, that you can start to put yourself into the shoes of the people in Israel when they hear what Jeremiah is telling them. You can imagine what it's like to hear that that everything you're worried about, all the concerns that you have, are going to be alleviated and taken care of. You can imagine what it's like to know that no matter how bad the days you're living in right now seem, that better days are ahead. You can imagine what it would feel like to know that your waiting isn't going to be in vain, that something good is going to happen on the other side. You can imagine what it would feel like to know that your future isn't filled with despair, but it is filled with hope. That's actually what we mean when we say that Christmas is a season of hope. We're not talking about some blind optimism. We're not talking about choosing to believe that things are going to work out regardless of the circumstances that we find ourselves in. Instead, when we talk about Christmas as being a season of hope, what we're talking about is it's like a child whose parents have promised to give her a specific gift. She knows that that gift is coming because her parents always keep their word. She just has to wait for that present to show up. And that's really what the Bible means when it talks about hope, too. Now, what we have to all remember is that the Bible wasn't originally written in English, okay? The English language didn't even begin to originate for about 400 years after the Bible was written. So everything that we read in our English translations today, they actually come from another language. And there are two Hebrew words that we often translate as hope. The first word in Hebrew that we often translate as hope is the word yahal. This shows up in places like the story of Noah's ark. Noah has to yahal for weeks that the flood waters and the story will eventually recede. Noah hopes that the water would recede, and he hopes for this because God has promised him that the water will recede. Noah had to wait for God to keep his promise. So the word yahal is actually better understood not just as hope, but to wait for. The same is true for the other Hebrew word that we often translate as hope, and that word is kavah. And this word is related to another Hebrew word. Its root is the word kav. And the word kav actually means cord or band. So kavah It's kind of like this rubber band that I have in my hands right now. And it's kind of like what happens when you start pulling a rubber band tight. Now, some of y'all are already starting to feel a little anxious about what's going to happen with this rubber band, right? You're afraid it's going to snap and, like, shoot, and I'll put your eye out during the sermon this morning, or maybe I'll get myself. But the word kavah kind of talks about this tension of what happens when you pull a cord tight. Now, eventually, something is going to give with this rubber band, right? 
eventually this band is either going to break or I'm going to pull my fingers back in and I'm going to relieve the stress that I've put on the band. But you're waiting for something to happen because you know that something will happen with this band. And I'm going to put it back in because I don't want to shoot your eye out while we're in church this morning. But Kava is talking about that feeling of you know that something is going to happen, you just have to wait to see exactly what it is. And at Christmas, we're waiting for the same thing. We're waiting for something to happen. We're just not 100% exactly sure about what it's going to look like. And our, and our waiting at Christmas is different than the waiting that we usually talk about. Because usually at Christmas time we talk about waiting to open presents sitting underneath the tree, or waiting to drive down to Grandma's house and to spend a nice, meal, a nice time together sharing a holiday meal. Or we talk about waiting for, for your favorite foods or, or those sorts of things. But, when we talk of, but what we really mean when we talk about waiting at Christmas is the same thing that the people of Israel were waiting for all those centuries ago when Jeremiah spoke to them. What we're really waiting for at Christmas. At Christmas, we're really waiting for God. At Christmas, we are waiting for God. At Christmas, we are waiting for God to reach into our broken world. We are waiting for God to reach into our broken lives. We are waiting for God to save us from the hatred, the chaos, the sorrow, the despair that surrounds us in the world today. But our waiting, our waiting's not just wishful thinking. It's not just pie-in-the-sky optimism where we look around and we think that no matter how bad things may seem around us that it's going to get better. That's not the type of waiting that we have. Our waiting is really an act of hope, real hope, based on our history with God. Our waiting is real hope because we know that God has already reached out into our world. We know that God literally came down to this earth, walking this earth as a human being, as one of us. And we know that if God did this once, that God will do it again. We know that a day is coming. We know that a day is coming when all of the brokenness of this world will be healed. We know that a day is coming when our hopes will be fulfilled. We know. We know that we can hope. We know that we can hope that this day will come because, because Christ has already come. So we wait. We wait in hopes of a day where hatred is conquered by love. We wait for a day when violence will finally give way to peace. We wait for a day when sorrow will be overwhelmed by joy. We wait for a day when our despair is gone and the things that we hope for are finally fulfilled. But here's the thing. It's not enough for us to just sit around and wait at Christmas. We actually have to live our lives today like we know that God is already at work reaching into our broken world and our broken lives again. So we have to live like we already know that Jesus will return. We have to live like love is already conquering hatred. We have to live like peace is already prevailing over violence. We have to live like joy is already overwhelming our sorrows. We have to live like hope is already being fulfilled. So this Christmas, instead of waiting for presents, let's be the presence of Jesus in this world. This Christmas, instead of waiting for presents, let's be the presence of Jesus in this world. So here's my challenge for you. Over the next four weeks, 
as we move closer to Christmas. Be a presence for Christ. Be a presence of hope in the midst of despair. Be a presence of peace in the midst of chaos. Be a presence of joy in the midst of sorrow. Be a presence of love in the midst of hatred. And being the presence of Christ is going to be better than any present that you have sitting under your tree this year, even if it is a Red Ryder BB gun. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for the hope that we have because of Christ. Our hope is not just wishful thinking. It is a promise that you will act again because you have already acted once. So God, this Christmas season, as we start waiting for more to happen in our lives, more presents, more parties, more family, more food, let us not forget what we are really waiting for. We are waiting for you to reach out into our lives and into the brokenness of this world. And God, we pray that you use us to reach out and to minister to that brokenness. Allow us to bring love where there's hatred. Allow us to bring joy where there is sorrow. Allow us to bring peace where there is chaos. Allow us to bring hope where there is despair. That's what we are called to do this time of year. So allow us to be your presence and not just worry about the presence we'll get this year. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, everybody, it's Adam again. I hope that this sermon challenged you, encouraged you, and inspired you to take the next step in your relationship with Christ. If it did, then take a second and subscribe to our podcast. We drop a new sermon every Monday, and if you subscribe, you'll never miss it. And if you'd like to help someone else take the next step in their relationship with Christ, then take a minute and leave us a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. Your review goes a long way to help us share this podcast with others.